0: It's working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez.
2: Welcome back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. It was originally inspired by the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and now complements the work that I do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. If you know this program has been around for a while, then you know that I have to thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they're dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show, we were on the air with Jamie Hansen, the author of Expanding the Conversation, Because Real Leaders Leverage Gender Differences to Create a Competitive Advantage in Business. We talked about how many organizations still employ traditional gender-speak attribution towards skills in the workplace and how doing so limits the individual contribution as well as the overall team performance. Beliefs such as women tend to be nurturing and empowering leaders, while men are more results-driven, which is not accurate and is a very limiting paradigm that needs shifting. Very thought-provoking conversation that invited us all to join the expanded conversation and movement toward a more gender differences-embracing dialogue. Really good stuff. With us this week is Brett Randall, the restaurateur who has been at the helm of Solman's Barbecue, the beloved North Texas-based restaurant chain that boasts low and slow cooking over hickory as their time-honored tradition. Solman's Barbecue has 15 locations and employs 225 employees and, in fact, is opening a brand-new location here in Mansfield, Texas, where Brett joins us today. Welcome to Working on Purpose, Brett.
3: Hey, Elise. Uh, Thanks for having me.
2: Um, well, this is so much fun. I'm just getting hungry already thinking about the conversation, though.
3: But it smells great over here.
2: <laughs> Do something about that. Um, all right. Well, to get us into this here, I want to just start by hearing, um, you know, in the, in our initial call, you talked about how you found your way into the restaurant business. And I love the story. Will you share that with us and our listeners now?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh. You know, that's, a, that's kind of a long story, and I kind of backed into the business a little bit, but it's a great story, and it's a sort of humble beginnings. But, you know, I studied at the University of Mississippi, and when I got out of college, uh, my dad was kind of going through a little mid- midlife crisis, and uh, he was buying restaurants and bars. And uh, the only problem was that he was a surgeon and not a restaurateur, so he didn't exactly know how to run restaurants and bars. Buddy wanted a place to hang out, so he had him. Well, so I was, uh, I guess I was 21, 22 years old, and what a better place for a kid to work than a, uh, <laughs> a bar that his dad <laughs> owns. And so that's what I did. I went to work in a, a one of his honky tonk clubs called Eastside Country Club, of all things, and I went to work as a barback. Uh, so I did that for a little while, and then soon after, he bought a sports bar. So I kind of graduated over there to that and then started bartending a little bit. And, and during that time, I really kind of found that I loved customer service. I loved interacting with people, just talking with them. And, uh, at the end of the day, making them happy, uh, I guess probably a year after I gotten out of school, my dad purchased a fine dining restaurant. As you can see the progression here.
2: <laughs> yeah. Can. And,
3: and so I, and so i moved over there and uh, that was a little different animal and um, so i was in a little more upscale environment and um and so that was a lot of fun the only real problem was after a, a period of time it, the restaurant really was not doing well at all it was it was losing a significant amount of money uh month to month and um and so at one point they decided to close it and so I kind of had a backroom discussion with my dad and his two partners and said, hey, you know what, well, what do you have to lose? Why don't you give me a shot at turning this thing around? And uh, so I did. We went, we went to work hard, and we did a lot, of, a lot of cool things. And within about a year, year and a half, we had that place completely turned around. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. So I was in the restaurant business from then on.
2: You may remember from our first conversation, Brett, that I grew up in the restaurant business, and I know what hard work it is, and I also know how rewarding it can be. So all the more reason that I wanted to have you on the show and showcase what you've done, because I really respect and admire what you've done and are doing, for the matter.
3: It is hard work. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, one of the things you also said to this, to this end, and you said this in a very humble way, Brett, is you said, you know, I had a little success turning around my dad's restaurant, and a, re- a couple over time, as I, as I recollect. And so I want to understand, to what do you attribute that success? Why do you think you were good at that, or are good at that?
3: Well, uh, uh, first of all, I would say that uh, they, they say that uh, success follows a happy worker. And in my case, that was certainly true. I was having so much fun and that my passion just kind of fueled the business. Uh, But I think, to be fair, I think the success during those days can really only be attributed to God's blessing. And (laughs) and honestly, I really didn't know much of anything. It was mainly hard work and a little common sense. I had a great partner in operations that I met during that time. Uh, There's a great friend of mine named Brent Smith, and uh, he handled a lot of the food side of things, and I handled the service end of the business, and we didn't know anything but to attack every angle. Uh, we took the service, we took food, we took the menu, we took the decor, we did everything we could to try to upgrade everything. And our hope that was that if we examined every aspect of the business, then we couldn't help but improve performance, and it worked. And I really haven't changed from that model. Uh, that's what we do at Soul Man's Barbecue every day, too. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty much what I can attribute that early success to, because I had no knowledge of the restaurant business and very little knowledge of business, period. Uh, but I knew if I could improve at every single aspect that, that I would get better.
2: Wonderful response, Brett. The reason I wanted to ask you that question is, and you kind of alluded to this early on, something about the worker being happy makes for a big difference in terms of results. And of course, what's my show called Working on Purpose? Well, the distinguishing point here is that it's one thing, quite one thing to have a passion and quite another thing to to turn it into a profit, to find a way to make it into a viable business. So I wanted to be able to have you share with the listeners just how you did that. So thank you for entertaining it and answering it as completely as you did. That was great. You're welcome. So the next thing I want to get to that I also think is interesting is you went to culinary school to develop your talents, but this would have been well into your restaurant career. So how did it happen that you made that decision, and what did you get from the experience?
3: Uh, another pretty good story. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me go back to um, right after we uh, took that restaurant over, and it was called the Plantation Grill in Albany, Georgia. And it was a fine dining restaurant. Well, Brent and I had, had challenged the owners to let us let us kind of take it over and see what we could do with it. Well, as I alluded to, attacking every angle, we wanted to come out with a new menu. Well, we did. And we rolled it out uh, on a Friday night to uh, about 100 covers were, were booked for that evening. Well, at about 5 o'clock, the entire kitchen staff walked out. Uh, so five guys walked out and left Brent and I standing there holding the bag, basically. Um, so we looked at each other, we called our wives, uh, my wife came up and, and and helped wash dishes and his wife came up and helped wash dishes. And, and just to back up for a second, I did not know how to boil an egg at this point. I could not, I couldn't cook, uh, a flat pan if I needed to. So this was quite an undertaking, but uh, Brent and I got back in the kitchen and we we gutted it out and we got through it and the best we knew how. It was it was a mess, but we got through it. Well, what came of that is just this uh, love for the food in part of the business. Um, so I started cooking quite a bit at that point, and this is right about the time when Emeril Lagasse was on the Food Network. You know, bam. And so during my breaks, I would come out and I would watch Emeril Lagasse on the Food Network out in the bar area and come up with new specials and all this kind of good stuff and uh, just really fell in love with food and the preparation of food, how it made the guests feel, and so it really fueled my passion for the business. And so after about two years of doing that, um, I was at a point in my life where Where I could kind of move on I didn't have a whole lot of ties I was newly married Uh, My wife was pregnant, of all things But um, we decided that uh, I needed to go to culinary school Just to learn and and kind of hone my skills And so we did We moved all the way over to uh, Dallas, Texas
0: Where I am now
3: And uh, went to culinary school For two, two and a half years Mm. That's how it worked
2: and what is just a couple little pearls? What did you get out of going going to culinary school, do you
3: think? It was an amazing experience. Uh, I, I always tell young young people that are going to culinary school that it kind of is what you make it. Um, it's, a, it's sort of a tech school environment. And I went to school with a lot of people that probably still aren't in the business. Uh, they were kids coming out of school that had no restaurant experience. I was different. Uh, because I had restaurant experience and I and I wanted to be in the restaurant business afterwards, and so I was about the same age as most of the professors. Uh, so we we hit it hard, and I learned a lot. Um, I learned m- probably the most important thing I, that I learned was food science, and I still use that every single day uh, to this day. Is is how how things how food reacts to different temperatures, how to fix different things that aren't right. And so it, it's very valuable knowledge. Probably the second thing that I would say is probably the most important thing that came out of my move to Dallas is I actually met the founder of Soulmans during that time. And I worked for him part time while going through culinary school. And so that kind of set the stage for what I'm doing now.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Great, great, interesting. You know, it's amazing what happens when you go to school a little bit later in life. I didn't go to college until I was 24, Brett, and so mm-hmm. I appreciate very much what you're saying about you. your professors being peers. They weren't peers to me, mind you, but uh, boy, it was a different experience when you had skin in the game and knew why you were really there. So, love that. You great. You bet. Well, the next thing I kind of want to get to here, still kind of talking about the business aspect of what you're doing here. Um, you, you have 15 locations. You're, you're opening your brand new location there in Mansfield as we speak. you got 225 employees, which is a pretty big ton of employees. And you've got, I think you said, 10 or 15 or so in your corporate office. So I want to get to just if you can call out, for the, again, for the sake of people putting their purpose around a business, Um, some key operational parts of the business that you've executed through through that you think have helped make your business successful?
3: Well, um, you know, you can talk about different operational benchmarks uh, in the restaurant business and and different profitability benchmarks all you want. Uh, We we try to keep it very simple operationally. Uh, You know, first off, my team and I have a passion for excellence. And I think whatever business that you're involved in, you have to have a passion for excellence with your product, with your service, whatever whatever it may be. Early on in my career, I read a quote by Charlie Trotter, who was a restaurateur out of, um, out of Chicago. And it simply read this, if you strive for perfection, you will at the very least achieve a high level of excellence. And I've always lived by that. So I've always really shop for the stars, and then at the very least, you know, you hope for the moon. Um, in our business, uh, we are laser-focused on doing three things right each and every day, and we talk about this stuff all the time. Serving great food, friendly and sincere service The sincere is very, very important, and, of course, an unmatched cleanliness in our restaurant. So, so three very simple things. If we feel like we can consistently get those things right each and every day, sales will continue to grow. And if we take care of the cost basis of the business, our profitability is going to follow right behind that. But as you know, in most businesses, sales cures off.
2: Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm.
3: we, we, keep it, we keep it very simple.
2: Mm. I love the crispness of that, Brett. I think that just having that laser focus on what are we going to do today what is our intentionality? Right. I think that is brilliant and a great lesson for our listeners, just the kind of stuff, the takeaways that I was hoping for for them. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you want to add to that? I have one more question that I want to queue up before the break, but anything else on operational that you want to talk about?
3: I think that's, I think that's pretty much got it. I mean, okay. again, keeping it simple, uh, making sure to focus on the, on the benchmarks of your business and making sure that you get everything right.
2: I think the other thing to call out is just the fact that you have, because there are three basic things that you focus on, then I got to believe that your your efforts are not diluted, right? It's easier to focus. Those are three things. You got to hit them right every day, all the time. I think there's something in that, too, for our listeners to be beyond. Let's execute to this list of 12 things. Yeah, <laughs> too many. will actually work.
3: Yeah, too many. <laughs> okay. we're in the restaurant business. It's not rocket science. <laughs> Sounds good.
2: Well, speaking of that, the one thing I wanted to also ask you before we go on break here is it occurs to me as somebody who now has spent a little bit of time with you, and I know a little bit about how important your faith is to you, that if there was anything to the fact that the business being called Solman's that called to you when you met the owner, or is that your own creation? Did you call it Solman's?
3: No, actually, the name goes way back before me. We were founded in 74, and if I was born in seventy five, so <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't name the business. But uh, there were two partners in the beginning, and one of them was an African American man, and he named it. He named it Soul Man's. Now I I, I believe that God has a purpose in everything, and uh, I believe it's named Soul Man's for a reason. And so, um, but I, I think there's definitely divine appointment in that. But I had nothing to do with the naming of it. <laughs>
2: I had to ask because certainly for me knowing what I know of you so far there seems to be a pretty good connection that I like that to call out. so thanks for entertaining it. You bet and that takes us to our first break already I'm your host Elise Cortez we've been on the air with Brett Randall who is the restaurateur who has been at the helm of Soulman's Barbecue, the beloved North Texas based restaurant chain and prides, who prides himself in the culture and purpose and faith he and his team have created for their business he joins us today from Mansfield where they're opening a brand new location, we've been talking about how he got himself into the restaurant business and has been training himself in it after the break we're going to get into the culture that he's purposely trying to create for the business, stay with us
1: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america
0: elise cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst she designs and delivers professional development leadership and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization she will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement performance and retention
2: Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Brett Randall, the restaurateur who is behind Soul Man's Barbecue, the beloved North Texas-based restaurant chain that boasts low and slow cooking over hickory as their time-honored tradition. Brett studied business at the University of Mississippi and began his career in restaurant management before studying the culinary arts at the Art Institute of Dallas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, we were talking about how you got yourself into this business, which was a great story. Now I want to focus on this segment, if we can, on the culture. I know that is a really important part of your heartbeat there, Brett, and that for your for your team, that you're purposely creating something. So you describe the soul of your business, its culture, as the heart of your offering and your success. So would you say a bit more about Soul Man's Barbecue Soul?
3: Yeah, you know, the soul of our business is our people. Our uh, people, are the, they're the headwind. They're the ones that greet the customers, serve the customers. And uh, it's Old Man's Barbecue, we are committed to building and maintaining a strong, people-focused culture. We're like a big family. Our culture, our culture revolves around the premise uh, that we're not just coworkers, but that we're brought together for a purpose. And I think that's really, really important, to serve people and to serve one another. It really makes for a, a special atmosphere, at least for us, where people can reach their full potential at soul man's.
2: Mm. Well, you know that hits every one of my buttons, Brett, right? You know that already <laughs> about me. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that, and I really appreciate it. And again, what I want to get across to the listener is that you have been able to create a business for yourself that you get to live breathe and express your values through your business in a way that lets you serve not only its purpose, but for that of your employees. And I just really want to call that out. And I think it's beautiful.
3: Thank you for saying that.
2: Yeah. And and to that end, one of the other great things that you get to do that not all businesses get to do, maybe because they're, they're public or whatever else it is, but you weave your faith into the way you run your business. Will you say more about why this is an important part of your culture and just how that shows up for you all?
3: Absolutely. It's, it's definitely, uh, you say it hits all your buttons, this hits all my buttons. Uh, we have a sign hanging on the wall of each one of our restaurants that reads, Great Barbecue, Great Service, and Great God. Um, it's Soul Man's our faith in God, His providence, and His love for people compels us to treat our customers and employees like family. You know, put mm-hmm. simply, my team and I believe we are part of something larger, where they will graft it into a family or a company that cares for people, both customers and, and employees. Uh, most business professionals, uh, kind of as you alluded to, Christian or not, they tend to compartmentalize their lives. Uh, they're one way at home, one way at church, and then a totally different person at work. Uh, we try not to do that at Soulmans. Uh, we aspire to walk out our faith uh, no matter where we are and uh, most importantly i think is that we create a safe environment where employees are not only safe expressing their faith but are also encouraged to do so so yeah it's it's very important to us
2: mm-hmm. there's so many things you said there that i could talk about but one thing i definitely want to call out brett is this notion of helping your your employees to to be very aware and know every day that they're part of something greater mm mm-hmm what i know about that brett because of what i've been doing for my for my meaning and work investigation is that is one of the biggest things that can make people feel really connected to their work and give them a sense of purpose and meaning is to feel like what they're a part of is way bigger than anything that they can create on their own and the fact that that you call that out as swiftly and beautifully as you do and that it clearly is you know very much in the water that you swim in every day I it just, it's, in fact, I will tell you very, very frankly, you moved me to tears when you were talking about that. It was so beautiful.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we, we just believe that that's the heartbeat of everything that we do. You know, our belief in God, as I say, it compels us to do the things we do. And we, we take care of our employees and we take care of our customers. Um, but it's, it's much, much more than that. Like you said, it's part of being a part of something, Uh, you know, everybody, anybody can come and just serve barbecue every day, uh, but who can come to work and and pray for each other and pray for customers? And, you know, it's just something really special. You know, that may not be for everyone, and I understand that, uh, but it is for us and for, for those that believe and those that are passionate about their relationship with God. It just, like I said, it gives them a safe environment to express themselves that way. And it just it creates an incredible environment.
2: Well, one of the things that I always tell my, my students, I, I think I might have mentioned to you that I teach uh, lots of um, senior students at Southern Methodist University how to get yeah, and keep did. their first job. Yeah. And one of the things I tell them is that, you know, look, when you're going through the interview process, you're going to opt in to the company culture if you like it or you're going to opt out if you don't. And the very uh-huh. fact that you are as forthright as you are, this is who we are. This is our heartbeat. If you like it, great, come join us and pl- pray with us and play with us and serve with us. If you don't, cool. You know, it's all right. That's and right. right, that is as good as it gets, I think, for everybody.
3: Yes, uh, I, I 100% agree. And that happens. Sometimes that happens both ways.
2: Mm hmm, mm hmm. Well, I want to have you talk, if you will, a bit, Brett, because part of what I, another reason I wanted to have you on the show is that, you know, when it comes to the world of work, culture is so important. In fact, we talk about how culture eats strategy for breakfast. It's just so important. And right. how important it is to be mindful and intentional all the time about making it what you want. So you talk about creating a work environment where your employees really want to come to work. You talk about how you pray for each other and for and for your customers. Would you say more about what are you doing and practicing to encourage this creative intentionality of your culture?
3: That is a that is a great, great subject. It's what we talk about all the time, Elise. How can we create an atmosphere where our employees are excited to come to work? And that right there is just the crux of it all. And if you'll remember earlier, the heartbeat is our people. So again, um, Having them excited to come to Soul Man's Barbecue to work to serve barbecue and be part of our our vision is incredibly important. Now, we understand that in order to expect superior performance from our employees, we must create and maintain a compelling place to work, a place where people can grow and learn enduring life skills. Our goal is to make working for us more than just a job, but a place where people can realize their personal and professional aspirations now this is a huge undertaking obviously and my team and I have developed a strategic plan just to address these things and we call it the strategic culture plan among others we tackle topics like our leadership and how we can improve team development training, quality of life, competitive pay and benefits among many other things now, being a small company, the challenge will always be scaling the additional costs in for these programs. But in the end, we believe whatever we spend to retain and develop top people will return to us in abundance. So it's very mm-hmm. important to us.
2: Mm mm-hmm. You know, one thing I'll one another thing that I wanna call out about what you're saying as I'm listening to you, Brett, and it's something that I'm very aware of because of the work that we do here at Insignium around breakthrough performance and organizational transformation is that the way that anything occurs for us is, you know, that's the context, right? And that context determines then what it is that we tend, how we feel about the situation, then what we choose to do, and then the results that we get, right? Mm-hmm. So the the very fact that your 1st or employees occur for you as, these are people I love and I want to grow and develop, and they're part of our bigger family. More than once, actually. Do I have to
1: say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Emily, and your
2: customers are people that you want to serve in the same way that you would serve God That is such an enormous thing to call out about what anchors your culture and the way that you go about creating your culture.
3: Yeah? That's exactly correct. I mean, our our belief in God and our faith system, again, compels us to love our employees and to want to create an atmosphere where they want to come to work. They just go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And so that's the important thing about what we do. And again, we don't compartmentalize our culture away from, you know, our work environment. And so they all go hand in hand and it's all based on what we feel God would want our employees, how they how He would want them treated.
2: Mhm. Well, let's talk next about your customers. So as I'm sitting here listening to you, I have this very distinct imaginative feeling that if I were to walk into any of your locations, that the very first thing that I would get was a big, fat, warm smile that said, man, I'm glad you're here. Right? That's <laughs> somehow I just get that that's how it would be. So I want you to speak to if you would, what experience are you trying to create for your customers? I know you want to serve them as as, as you say, as God would expect you to. But I, I'm guessing that there there's a whole bunch more in addition to that that you're trying to do.
3: You know, uh, this is something that we, we say all of the time, and it's very simple, but it's very profound. We want to be their place to eat barbecue, mm-hmm. and there's a lot be- and there's a lot behind that because barbecue is very endearing to the soul. Um, everybody has their place to eat barbecue. Um, there's a reason for it. That's the way they like it. It's the way they're treated. You know, h- however, whatever the reason, they have a place that they go eat barbecue. Uh, And and barbecue is is different from a lot of other foods. Uh, Like I said, it's very endearing food. Uh, People have grown up with it. Um, They tell stories all the time about how people grew up with Soul Man's Barbecue, and that's why they take their kids to eat. And so, put simply, we want to be their place to eat barbecue. When family or friends come to town, we want to be the place where they take them. We achieve that by creating an atmosphere where absolute customer satisfaction is the highest priority every single day. And mm. we feel like if that customer is a priority, and just as you said, exactly as you said, the way you've imagined walking into Soul Man, that's exactly the way we want it to be. And so, again, put simply, we want to be their place to come eat barbecue.
2: Mm. I got to tell you, so I... I've only been in Texas for fifteen years. I'm from the Northwest originally and it's not really a place that's known for barbecue as you probably know. We do have some of it up there, but and I have had some good barbecue up there. But I came to Texas and I learned, bought an old smoker off Craigslist and you know, was taught how to fire it up, et cetera. And now I make pretty darn good brisket if I can just say. And, <laughs> right. and I take a tremendous amount of pride in hosting people and feeding them my barbecue, my brisket. And you're right. There's something in that there is your, there's something special about the food that is dis- different and distinguished from other kinds of cooking. And I like to host lots of parties, but there's something very different about barbecue.
3: There is something very different, you know, food in general, Elise, you know, it's, it's very biblical. Breaking bread is a very spiritual event uh, for friends and family, as it was for for Jesus and his life and his disciples. Uh, and so, food in general is very special. But but barbecue, when you spend twelve hours smoking something, it's going to be great, and people are going to love it. And so, yeah, there's something very special about both food and especially barbecue.
2: Hmm. Love that we're talking about it here in the summertime too. Uh, although people will be listening to this podcast for quite some time, you might have somebody fire this up in December and then just be aching for summertime. Um, yeah. But they could still we we'll be ready ad. for. Them. So that's that's right. They could still come down to see you. So, um, well, you know, you've talked about what what it is that you're trying to to do for your for your customers. And right, there's always it's interesting as a a business person. I, I'm a management consultant. I work with businesses to help them transform their businesses. And of course, oftentimes there's a disconnect between what an organization or a business wants to achieve for their customers and what their customers are actually experiencing. So what do you actually hear from your customers about their experience of dining with you? What do they say?
3: Uh, we, we hear so many cool and inspiring stories that just continue to encourage us <clears throat> each and every day. I'll tell you one in particular. This is a really cool story. Some of our restaurants sit adjacent to to truck stops and because they sit adjacent to truck stops, we have a lot of customers that are long-haul truckers. One in particular was named John Journell, and he stopped at Soul Man's weekly on his route for 20 years or so. Uh, living in Ohio now, uh, he's disabled and no longer drives. Well, he contacted me a couple of years ago through Facebook and said that, <clears throat> On his bucket list was to have one last meal at Soul Man's. Now, this is 976 miles away. So, he and his wife, who are on a fixed income, I might add, because of his disability, made the 976 mile trek to Roy City, ate, and turned around the next day and drove back. Now, I met him at the store and bought his dinner and. We talked for several hours about about his experiences with Soul Man's, and now now isn't that amazing?
2: Mm, it sure is.
3: It is it absolutely sure amazing, is. And, and to me, that story tells it all about uh, how good our food is and and how well we touch customers. Mm. And I still I still talk to him this day on Facebook. So great story, great guy. But we hear so many cool stories about you know how people grew up. You know, being a 43-year-old brand, we now have grown adults that just grew up eating soul man's all their life, and that's the barbecue that they eat.
2: Uh-huh, so. that's what nurtured their existence. That's right.
3: That's right. Neat stuff.
2: That is, is a great story. The 976 miles is nothing to, just sneeze at if you're not disabled, for gosh sakes. Um, yeah, right. I, I, um, when I think about what you just said, I mean, for this man who's been 20 years of his life, every week eating with you, you were an important Keep component of his livelihood.
3: That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, truckers are just by nature. They're lonely individuals. They spend hours and hours and hours behind the wheel. And when they get out, they want somebody to talk to. And, And at Soulmans, we have four truck stop locations and, um, we talk to those folks. We, we treat them, we treat them very well. And we give Linda an ear to, to hear them out. And, um, and we we love we love our long haul truckers, and there, there's the fruit from that right there.
2: Mm. So every human being craves to be listened to and understood, and if that's mm-hmm. part of what you're offering in terms, and alongside a great meal, I think you've got it made. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> And that takes us to our next break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with Brett Randall, who is the restaurateur who's been at the helm of Soul Man's Barbecue, the beloved North Texas-based restaurant chain that prides itself in its culture and purpose of faith that he and his team have been building over the last several years. He joins us today from Mansfield, Texas, where they're opening a brand new location. We've been talking about how he's been purposely creating his culture within Soul Man's. After the break, we're going to talk about his leadership approach and what he's doing there. Stay with us.
1: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention.
2: Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Brett Randall, who is the restaurateur who created, or I shouldn't say created, he actually assumed, Soul Man's Barbecue, the beloved North Texas-based restaurant chain that boasts low and slow cooking over hickory as their time-honored tradition. Brett studied business at the University of Mississippi and began his career in restaurant management before studying the culinary arts at the Art Institute in Dallas. Great training. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, before the last break, we were talking about culture and what you're doing there to, to purposely create that and keep it alive there at Soul Man's. For this last segment, Brett, I want to talk about leadership. I know that's a really important part uh, and heartbeat of what you do there. So, first, how would you characterize your own leadership style?
3: Oh, great question, Elise. Um, you know, leadership to me is such a tricky and deep subject, I say that uh, because I believe leadership is about achieving results, but results can be quantified in so many different ways. Uh, For instance, we obviously value a leader that increases sales, uh, keeps the cost basis in line, and ultimately makes the company more money. Um, However, to us, it's just as important how that leader achieves those results. I want to be a leader uh, that's known for having uncompromising high standards, morals that is approachable, one who listens before he speaks, one who is fair, patient yet decisive. Uh, you know ultimately I want to be remembered as a man who loved God, loved others and achieved his goals to that end. And so I hope I hope that that's the type of leader that, that I am and, and can be.
2: Well, again, very Christmas to syn. And what I also like about that, Brett, and want to call out is that I'm often asked to to speak about leadership to groups. And one of the things that I frequently say is for people to get really clear on the kind of leader that they really want to be and then authentically execute to that. And it's really clear to me that who you just described yourself is how I've experienced you, and I have no doubt that's how you show up as a leader as well. So the fact that you could, you could articulate that as succinctly as you did, I think is part is probably the very first part of the process, right? Being able to do that. So gorgeous. Um, Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. And then thinking about how it is that you work from that vantage point, I know that you write a, a monthly leadership email and I think it's called the leadership series. Sure. So I want to, I want to understand a couple things. I want to know what is your key message and what is your motivation to write it? What are you hoping to actually do through the series?
3: Oh, thanks for the question. Uh, you know, the leadership fer- series has uh, been a lot of fun and it's helped us all kind of galvanize the message together. You know, I infuse scripture and uh, in my life experiences, quotes and <clears throat> quite a bit of humor to get the point across. The message again being, uh, that we, that we do value results, but there may be another way to approach those results. And so that's always the challenge in those e- emails. Uh, My motivation for writing him is is really to inspire people to value their relationships and that through those relationships you will find that results and fulfillment will follow close behind. Uh, Mm. Teaching that, looking at leadership through spiritual lenses is important. Um, I always end each series with a simple phrase, lead well which hopefully sticks with them when they have a, a difficult situation to handle that they may not know what to do. Um, so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, um, and it seems to have really grown legs. We, The guys tell me that they forward them to their wives, and their wives forward them to their friends, and, and you know, I'm not always great about doing it on time, but they let me know when they're ready for one. <laughs> so uh, they'll say, hey, 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 it's time, send it. And so uh, they don't they don't let me falter on it. But it's been a lot of fun.
2: Mm. Uh, this is related to what we've already spoken about, but I think it's important to call it out here for this leadership part of the discussion, Brett. And that mm-hmm. is, I want to know, what are your key operating values you draw from in your leadership? I know, obviously, your faith is, is right there front and center. What
3: else? Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, you know, I, I developed what I call a pyramid, and I call it the path to leadership. And the pyramid in descending order lists the following, um, leadership being the culmination of this pyramid. At the very top, it's my relationship with God. Based on the scripture, seek first the kingdom. And so I have to seek God first in in anything that I do. Uh, Number two on that list is being a good husband. Uh, Number three is being a good father. Number four, um, being a good son, family member, and friend. And then number five is is really interesting. It's called being a creative follower. I don't know if you're familiar with a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Collins. He served as the president of uh, Chick-fil-A for over 30 years, just under Truett Cathy. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: it just tells of a fascinating journey of his leadership through following. And so Basic. the basic premise is, is that you have to be a good follower before you can be a leader. And so I really draw on that. Um, and then last but not least is if you achieve all of those things, then you can be an effective leader. And so that's, uh, that's pretty much my operating values with being a leader.
2: I appreciate that there's structure around that. Sometimes people might have a harder time being able to articulate what are they working from. You did that gorgeously. I got to follow up with this idea here of the creative follower. What makes for a cura- being a good creative follower?
3: You know, probably uh, number one are, are things like doing what, doing what makes the boss happy. Uh, doing the things that a follower does and not necessarily a leader. Um, so for instance, I have a, I have a founder and owner that's, that still owns the company, he's, he's retired, but it's still important for me to follow his vision as well too, in order for me to be, to be a good leader to our 225 employees. What happens so often is a leader gets so heady uh, and they get so in tuned with what they're doing that they forget about uh, about following and doing the things that are important for the business. And so for me, in my role, it's important that I follow the things that are important to him and then work everything, my vision, around what's important to him.
2: Mm. I almost get the sense there, Brett, that what I'm hearing from you is a way to describe that is you being an, an enthusiastic follower. Is that fair? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So, how has your own leadership evolved over the years? Do you think, when you first started, and you're just you're that young, twenty-two year old guy in the bar trying to figure it out? I don't know <laughs> if you were leading back then, but how would you say your leadership has evolved over the years?
3: Oh man, A really good question. You know, many people believe that uh, that leaders are born. Right? I don't. I don't really subscribe to that. I tend to lean on the premise that they're, that they're developed. I always say to my guys that leadership is a journey and I believe that it is. And and for me, it, it certainly was. Um, I started fairly young as you alluded to and really failed miserably many times, although I ended up being successful. You know, I waffled between being too strict or being too lenient. I lost more people than I kept. You know due to just not knowing how to deal effectively with people, it wasn't really until I realized that that being fair was really what people wanted that I stumbled on to some some success. Um, through the years, I've noticed that you know if people respect you, for whatever reason, they'll follow you. And for me, I've just tried to become more respectable through the years, and mm. uh, that's that's kind of. That's kind of my journey, and it's it's not over yet, trust me. I learn every day, um, and and hopefully I'll continue to learn for, for years on years. Yeah,
2: I don't think it ever ends, this journey of leadership or <laughs> anything else of being no. a human being, but a couple things I want to peel back on there. How do you work at being more respectable? What are you, what are you doing to cultivate that?
3: You know, number one, you know, I, I always talk to my guys about, about trying to be the best at whatever you're trying to teach. And and what I mean by that is your pro, is your knowledge of the product, knowledge of the process. You know, the easiest way to lose respect, in my opinion, is not knowing what you're talking about. And so, for me, dealing with barbecue, being a chef, you know, just because I'm a chef does not know, mean I know barbecue. And, and so, when I first joined Soul Man's Barbecue, I set out to be the best barbecue cook that I could possibly be because I knew that I would gain more respect from these guys who'd been cooking barbecue their whole life if I had just as much knowledge or more about the product. And so I think, I think number one answer to you would be, know what you're talking about. Uh, be the best. Uh, number two is, is that you always have to back up what you talk about so if I'm talking about all this faith and talking about culture and then I don't really live it out I don't walk it out then I, I immediately lose respect
1: yeah. so I'm always
3: trying I'm always trying to make sure that I am living what I preach and um, sometimes that can be very difficult. And people, when you're in leadership, and you know this, you're always under the microscope. Yes, people are always trying to uh, find holes in your game and pick you apart, and uh, you have to be tuned into that. So th- those two things are probably the the biggest things that I work on all the time. And you know, going back to number one, um, you know, me being the CEO, having 16 restaurants, I'm not always in the restaurants as much anymore. So. Getting in there, getting back used to doing operational things and making sure I don't stay, I don't fall out of touch is is an extremely important part of the process.
2: So two more things to follow that up really quick. This is such an important, great thing, the great conversation about leadership, Brett. So this whole notion you said about, you know, knowing your stuff. What I also think you're saying there is that when you don't know your stuff, that you admit that. You don't try to bluff what you don't know. And that authenticity of, you know, being willing to say, hey, I know this. I think I know this pretty well. But this part over here, I don't know this. I think there's something that's really, really incredibly engaging about that, that make people want to trust you even more because you've called out what you don't know.
1: Absolutely.
3: Yes, no,
2: kind of. Okay, good.
3: Yeah, that's Okay, good. This notion "fake it till you make it" thing, you know, there's some smart people in the world. They they don't all they don't always fall for that for that game. So, you know, I, honesty is always the best policy. Kind of like you say, you know, one thing that that I did when I came to Soul Man's and I wanted to learn how to be the best barbecue cook is I went to the best barbecue cooks and said, "Hey, teach me what, teach me how to do this." And uh, that that showed that show those guys that I was willing to learn and that I wasn't too good to stand next to them and learn from them. And I still do that to this day. And so, yeah, uh, you know, you, you have to be humble and you have to be uh, willing to learn because nobody knows everything.
2: That's right. That's right. And I think back to your thing about culture and engagement when we solicit the expertise of people who work with us, there's nothing better than having them feel like hey I'm really contributing to this thing right I, I've got something to share with the boss with the business I mean and he he or she is listening to me and takes me seriously.
3: Oh yeah absolutely. I'll give you a few if we've got time I'll give you a quick example of that Sure go for it We have a we have a fairly new employee out here in Mansfield who's a who's a chef. And, um, I went up to him the other day, I'm trying to create a new LTO limited time offer. And uh, I said, Hey, how about you and I getting in here next week? You make your best thing. I'll make my best thing. And we'll, we'll let the employees decide which LTO we're going to do next. And man, he just lit up and you can just tell that he really wanted to kind of have that cook off with me and that, that I had. Really acknowledged his expertise and was willing to get in there and, and cook with him, and so it was a really neat moment for us. But mm-hmm. that kind of speaks to exactly to what you were saying.
2: Great example, and one more thing too that I want to call out for our listeners that you said earlier about all the mistakes that you made as you came up in your leadership journey, and I just wanted to call out, Have you ever read the book Black Box Thinking by Matthew Syed? I have not. Okay. For, for our listeners, it's a great thing that really reinforces the notion that not only is it good to make mistakes, but learning from our mistakes in an ongoing, purposeful, intentional way can really set us apart, whether it's in terms of our leadership journey, our business journey, our personal journey. I'm trying to get that man on my show. I think he's got such a great message. So it really resonates with what you're saying about the mistakes that you made and how you learned from them. Went right along there. So I had to, I had to call that out.
3: Yeah, that's, that's awesome stuff, Elise. You know, I, I have three sons, and I tell them all the time that everybody makes mistakes, but it's not your mistakes that define you. It's it's what you do with those mistakes that yes, ultimately sir. define you, and so that's that's so true.
2: Yes, sir. Well, we are coming to a close, and I like to give my guests the, the last word when, whenever I can, Brett. So just say maybe in 30 seconds or less, what would you like to leave our listeners with today?
3: Well, uh, here's what I'd like to leave them with. Um, I think that everyone has leadership ability inside them. Find your path and make it more about relationships and people than about profits. And when you get there, lead well.
2: (laughs) fantastic way to finish, Brett. Thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute stupendous pleasure. I do want to call out that one of my SMU students is, is in part the reason that you came on the show, because she put together my business objective for the show, and your soulful working on purpose and said, this is a no-brainer. So thank you so much for joining us and being with us and, and sharing your passion with us. It's been incredible to learn from you and be inspired by you.
3: I had an absolute blast, Elise. Thanks for having me.
2: You're welcome. So listeners, if you want to learn more about Brett Randall and Soulmans, you can go to Mans. It's just S-O-U-L-M-A-N-S dot com. And there are 16 locations here in the North Texas area. The, the, the newest is, is in Mansfield. So come take a visit. I will be doing that soon. I went online to see what locations were closest to me. So who knows, Brett, you just I just might show up and surprise you.
3: I would welcome that. (laughs) All right. So
2: I'll see you next week. I'm looking forward to our conversation with our next guest. Remember that work is one third of our lives. So
0: let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.